So tonight, uh, for the next few weeks, our middle schoolers um, are going to be doing a series called Emotions. And um, all of us have them. Can someone name an emotion? Peaceful. Peaceful, yeah. Sadness. Sadness? Levi? Yeah, mad, angry. What? Joy. It's a good one. Yeah, what's what's green? Disgust. 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 And, then, and is that fear? Is that his yeah, name? Fear. <laughs> so all of us, at some point throughout the day, experience multiple emotions. Um, most of us, I would imagine, aren't like one hundred percent happy, like at all points during the week. You may have a whole day where you're happy, but you know. By Tuesday, you're going to have something that's going to irritate you or something that makes you sad. Um, one of the questions that um, sometimes you get asked is, how was your day? Sometimes that can seem like a loaded question. Like, do you really want to know or do you just want to have like a quick, like my day was good. How many of you give your parents the like, like when they ask, how was your day at school? Good. No. <laughs> you're homeschooled. Okay. So those of you that are homeschooled, your parent, your parents know how your day was. Sometimes, though, that question can can seem like a loaded question because you're not really sure if that person wants you to say exactly how you're feeling, or if it's just like a a nice like, hey, how 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 are you doing? Good. And at some point, all of us have you know. Maybe not told the whole truth to that question. <laughs> okay. Um, how, how are you doing? Huh. I'm, well, <laughs> that's a little complex there, Seth. <laughs> you have, do you have 20 minutes? <laughs> um, but we're going to explore what it means to go through different emotions and how we practically and biblically deal with them. Jesus himself uh, was fully God, but he was fully man. He was 100% God, but he experienced um, all of the emotions that we do. Um, the, uh, the, the Bible says that, that he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. So that tells me he experienced sadness. In fact, there was someone that did a study, and um, <clears throat> I was reading an article, and throughout the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John it's documented that Jesus experienced 39 different emotions documented. That's a lot of emotions. Some of you are like, that's nothing. You should see my weekend. <laughs> but religious leaders were, were you know, kind of acting the part in front of Jesus, but he saw right through them. He saw their hearts. The Pharisees, they, were, they, they had it all together on the outside. But Jesus looked at them and knew their heart, and he was angry. He called them vipers, and he called them names. But he, he experienced, you know, sometimes we see Jesus as like the painting, like just like calm and collected. But this was a dude that went into the, the temple and started turning over tables. He experienced anger. Okay, it was a righteous anger, but it, it was anger. When we're, We'll get into this in a little bit, but when his friend Lazarus dies, we see that he wept. So he cried. Before the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. And the Bible gives us a little bit of insight into his emotions at that point. He was contemplating 
all of the things that he was going to have to endure on the cross. And so he was, ex- he was experiencing this moment of, I would imagine, severe anxiety, severe just being overwhelmed with the reality of I'm, I'm about to uh, lose my life. They're going to beat me. They're, I'm going to experience more pain than I've ever, ever experienced. I'm going to experience shame and sin like I've never experienced. And he was, I, I imagine he was experiencing spiritual and physical agony. In fact, uh, the Bible says that as he was praying, he was sweating and his, his uh, sweat turned to drops of blood. So, that, I mean, he was, in, he was in a bad shape, all right? So I want to start this series by just walking through a little bit of some of the emotions that we see in Jesus and how we can respond to people around us, how we can respond to our family, <laughs> Uh, the way that Jesus would. Um, I promise you, if you go into your dining room and you start flipping over tables, it's not going to be very pretty. Uh, I, I would just going to, I'll go out on a limb and, and say that probably won't be received very well from your parents. Uh, but I do want to read a scripture with you guys. Um, this, is, this comes from the book of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 11. You can follow along here. It says, soon after... Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral process, a procession. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on where where we're walking into this. Jesus had just preached the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons ever. And so after he preached the Sermon on the Mount, it brings us to this section here. Verse 12, a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. So this was a lady that, she was a widow, which means, can some, tell, tell me what a widow is? A woman um, who had a husband died. Yes. So this was a, a woman who had, her husband was dead. And so she only had one other son. And that son, unfortunately, passed away. The large crowd from the village was with her. Verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. This was the first uh, um, moment, really, that we have some insight into emotions of Jesus. And we've experienced some funerals here at ATC this year. Just try to place yourself in this crowd. Imagine that you are there. You, there's a lot of details that we don't have. Okay, We don't have uh, how old the boy was. I imagine that he's probably your age. We don't know how he died. We don't know the scenario, if it was a, uh, an accident or a disease. We don't know what it is. But we do know that there is a woman here that is heartbroken. Her husband had passed and her only son had passed. Okay, uh, Sometimes they uh, would actually hire mourners, people to cry at your funeral. Maybe if you like, don't have a whole lot of friends, they'll hire people to come to your... I don't, I don't know. It sounds kind of harsh. But it was a normal practice for there to be hired mourners at the family so that there's a big... Uh, procession there, okay? A lot of people there. So there's a lot of people that the Lord could see. There's a lot of people that Jesus, I imagine, saw. 
But verse 13 points out specifically when the Lord saw her. When the Lord saw her in her, in her deepest pain, in her deepest grief, the Lord scanned the crowd and saw her. Not only did he see her, but he noticed her. Sometimes Evelyn and I can walk in the same room and we can see the same things, but she'll notice far more than I'll notice. <laughs> there could be a, a, a wallpaper that I see, but I don't notice. It's just wallpaper. What I did notice was the food. <laughs> there was food there. It was wonderful. To this day, Evelyn and I can, can think back on various vacations. I can tell you with 100% certainty that I remember the, the meals that I had. I have not the slightest clue on earth what I was wearing. I don't even care what I was wearing. But she will notice those things and she'll remember those things. And so we, we, can, we can see the same things, but we may not notice the same things. Does that make sense? Jesus looked, looked in the crowd and he saw these, these people, but he noticed this single mom who had lost her husband, who was in shock. She lost her only son. And what did Jesus feel? His heart overflowed with compassion. His heart overflowed with compassion. Jesus felt the same thing in this moment that he feels for you and me. He feels the same thing. When you are, when, when you're hurt from, from someone at school, when you're hurt from someone in your own home, and there's a disagreement between you and your parents, I know you're perfect and you probably have never done anything wrong in, in, you know, in your home, but maybe your, your parent did, okay? But when there is sickness attacking your family, when you feel singled out, when there's a silly uh, disagreement with a friend and you feel pain, Jesus feels that with you. He has compassion on you and he notices you. The Bible says that his heart overflowed with compassion. I want to just look at that word compassion there for a second. That, com that word compassion comes from a Greek word called splagna. Say that word, splagna. Splagna. It's, it sounds like kind of a gross word, like you're like, like coughing, like a kind of a splagna kind of a cough. Yeah. Or are you like splagnet on the wall? <laughs> it just sounds gross, but it actually, there's a reason that it sounds gross. <clears throat> it comes from a Greek word. This Greek word means internal organs. And so it's a deep-rooted feeling. When someone is experiencing compassion, it's a, it's a love with agony that is actually physically felt. It's, it's not pity. It's not kindness. It's, not, it's a deep-rooted uh, feeling that we can physically feel that compels us to action. Yeah. A few um, months ago, uh, is in the summer, I was driving on um, Northland, and I was, was uh, I think I was going, going to work or something, and I noticed there was like five or six cop cars and a, um, um, a fire truck that was coming up to the scene, and there was a car that was completely engulfed in flames. 
just, I mean, the whole car is up in flames. And I looked and there was a, a man, uh, he's probably Hunter's age, that was standing outside the car and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And what I felt was that. I don't know the scenario. I never, never found out. Was he crying because he was so upset about the car? Was there someone in the car? I don't know. To this day, I have no idea. But what I know is for the next, the next like three or four days, I had this like sinking feeling that I could, I could literally feel this pit in my stomach for this man that I didn't even know. I felt compassion for him. This is what Jesus feels when, when you're going through a tough time. When your parents say, you know what, we're going to split up. When you have a, an aunt or an uncle that passes away from COVID. When you, when you have a friendship and you, you're experiencing this loneliness or this weariness or this heaviness. What I can tell you is Jesus feels that with you and he sees you. He notices and he has compassion for you. He knows exactly the feeling that you're, that you're feeling. When, when, I, <clears throat> when I think about this word... <clears throat> bring it up here again, splagna. <clears throat> I begin to ask myself, where, where else in scripture do we see this come up? What, what kind of uh, compassion do we see in other sets of scriptures that brings this same emotion or feeling that's deep-rooted that spurs us to action? Colossians. Oh, pull up the right scripture here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So, <clears throat> as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, or splagna, kindness, humility, gentleness. But if anyone, 1 John three seventeen. but if any, anyone has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart. That heart right there is back to the Greek word, splagna. Closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? So if we are not moved by compassion, this is a convicting scripture here. If we see someone else around us that has a need, and we have the world's goods. We have the, the means to help that person. We have the means to pay for a meal. We have the means to send them a, a, a note saying that we love them, we're praying for them. We have the means to do something about it, but our heart is closed against them. This asks the question, how does God's love abide in you? Do, does, is God's love even inside of you? Are you not letting God's love go through you? And so... I'm, I'm shifting gears a little bit and asking the question, yes, God cares about our emotions. He cares for us. But is that evidenced by how we're responding to those around us? Are we showing that compassion on the same level that Jesus looked at that woman and had compassion on her? So I want to ask you guys a question. What do you think it means to close your heart? Go ahead and shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand. What do, what do you think it means to close your heart? Obviously, you can't like physically close your heart. What, what do you think this means? How do you close your heart? Not telling anybody anything. Okay. You're closing, you're closing off your emotions. You're not, not talking to anyone. Okay. 
You ever heard of someone that they've been hurt before? Yeah. And so they're, they're not wanting to share their emotions with someone because, I don't know, I've been hurt by that person. I've been hurt by that kind of person or that kind of situation. So we close our heart out of protection. Anyone else? How do we close our heart? You can continue to think about it. <clears throat> in, uh, <clears throat> in Florida, I have some friends in Florida, and uh, we have snow season, we have mosquito season, we have you know, various seasons. They have hurricane season in Florida. Everyone wants to move to Florida until it's hurricane season. <laughs> um, and I have some friends down there that this last hurricane season, they did something like... Um, most people do when, when they're in the, the hot zone for the, the uh, hurricanes. They board up their windows uh, because they, they know for sure there's going to be high winds in the area. So they board up their windows. They board up their doors. People just board up their whole house and, then, and they leave. Some of us do that emotionally. Where we are scared to, like Shay said, to be honest with people around us. And so we, we board up the doors to our heart. We don't share what's really going on because, Seth, that's, that's kind of hard. Can't really do that. True community, fully known, fully loved, fully understood. For some of us, we're partially known, kind of understood. We think that we're, that we're loved. We, we know that we're loved, but I'm not going to put myself out there to be fully known. That's just weird, Seth. When we, when we operate like it's emotional hurricane season, we board up our hearts and we're not going to share in anyone else's pain, we are not exemplifying compassion. So we have the opportunity, and we should take the opportunity to take down the emotional boards and be open. Sometimes that's, that's hard, like being open with a, with a parent. Here's what I'm really struggling with. Ooh, that's hard. Like being honest. I'm not saying like, you know, you're being like a lie, like, like intentionally deceitful, but like, how was your day? Good. When it could be, you know, I had a really difficult day because so-and-so said this to me and it hurt. That gives your parent an opportunity to show compassion. And when you feel compassion from someone else around you, you can exemplify that compassion to other people. So I want to I wanna read a scripture with you. Uh, does anyone have a Bible here? Got, got one? On, okay, no worries. I got one. You got one? Okay, do me a favor. Can you go to Luke chapter 10? And read verse 25 through 28. Loud and proud. Luke chapter 10. 25 through 28. A lot of scriptures there. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Then, then an experiment in the lodge stood up. Wait, that's... Yep, yeah, you got it. Okay. Then an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, Teacher, 
What must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What do you understand from it? The man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Also, love your neighbor as the same as you love yourself. Jesus said, Your answer is right. Do this and you will have eternal life. Okay, so we got kind of a like a, a smart aleck here that's like tempting. The Bible says that he was trying to tempt Jesus. He was trying to get it either under his skin or he's trying to, to point out a flaw, something. He's like, what, what are we supposed to be doing here? And Jesus threw it back at him and was like, well, what does the law say? And so he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, honor. and he like quoted it back to Jesus. And he's like, great. Verse 28, verse 29 but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who's my neighbor? So love my neighbor as myself. Who, who, what, does that, what does that mean, Jesus? What are, you, what are you talking about? Who is my neighbor? Like my physical neighbor? Like how many of you know your neighbor? I know most of you. Okay. Do you, do you love your neighbor? Mm-mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there's that. <laughs> um, but he asked the question, who's my neighbor? Like that's a, I guess that's a fair question. Are you ta- are, Jesus, are you talking about the person that I live next to or, or what? And verse 30, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment or his clothes and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, the spiritual person. Surely the priest will help him. Surely the pastor will help this man that's left dead on the side of the road. Right? right. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Everyone say, ouch. 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 That's what we call a big oof. It's a big oof. oof. And likewise, a Levite, surely the Levite will help him. When he was at the place, came and looked on him. Oh, we... And pass by on the other side. Another big oof. Except this guy, like, oof. like, saw him, like, imagine, like, contemplated, like, hey, should I help him? Should I? Oh, nah. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he saw him and had compassion on him. Same word, splagna. The Greek word, splagna. He had compassion what? on him. He saw him, had this deep-rooted feeling, this angst, this, this pit in his stomach, and he saw him, and he was spurred to action. He had to do something. It says, he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on, uh, set him on his care, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he departed and took two pence and gave them to the host and unto him, said unto him, take care of him, and whatever you spend more on, when I come back, I will repay thee. So then Jesus asked the question, which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? Which one was the neighbor? Was it the priest? Did the priest take care of him? No. Was it the Levite? Surely not. Surely not. It was the Samaritan. I think sometimes we... We see people in our schools. We see people in our own homes. 
We see people in our church. We know they're hurting. We know there's a situation going on. Maybe we don't know all the details, but we know something's going on. And what's the easy thing to do? And if we're not careful, we can use this very real fear of saying, well, I don't know what to say. And I'll be the first person to raise my hand. Has anyone ever not said something to someone because you didn't know what to say? Like all that, other person's going through a really hard time. I just, like, what am I supposed to say? I've felt that as a student pastor. I'm supposed to be the spiritual one here. There's been moments, though, where, where families are going through a difficult time. And I don't know, I don't have the words. I don't know what to say. I fear, you know, I fear being clumsy and I fear saying the wrong thing and sounding awkward or, you know. But if we're not careful, we can be like the priest or the Levite where we see a need and we walk around the need. But the, but the Samaritan had compassion. And so tonight I want to I wanna talk about three ways, and I'm not going to be super long here, but I'm going to finish with this. Three steps of loving your neighbor. Three steps to love your neighbor. You ready? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, we're moving on. Number one, don't close your heart and avoid the person in need. There are people in your life, in your lives, there are people in your school, there are people in your community that are hurt, that are broken, that need as much compassion as Jesus has given you. Don't close your heart. Consider walking a day in their shoes. Consider what they're experiencing. Don't emotionally wall yourself off. ATC has had its fair share of funerals this year. There are people here that need prayer. There are people in our youth group that need prayer. You know, someone that would, would be here tonight if she wasn't in the hospital, and that's Bella Lunt. She'd be in this room, but she's in the hospital right now. And I, I know there may be some barriers. You may be wondering, you know, well, I don't have a phone. I can't, I can't text. We'll get you an address or something. We'll do, we'll do something. She would love to get a letter from someone in this room. Hey, Bella, we love you and we're praying for you. Or, or have your parent reach out to Sandy. Hey, here's a, a selfie of us. We're praying for you, Bella. There's a need here and we can respond in compassion. Don't close your heart. Open your heart and be open for God to go to move through you. You don't have to have all the right words. In fact, I texted someone today and I said, I wish I had the right words to say. I wish I could say something, but over the last year, Evelyn and I have experienced a lot of people loving on us and saying that we're praying for Elsie and it, we've experienced that. And I've experienced that side of it where you don't, you don't have to have the perfect words. You don't have to say all the right things. I just, just the, the fact that, that you told me that you're praying means the world to me. There's someone, you know, that we were in the hospital and someone said, hey, we're bringing tacos today. That meant the world to me. I can't tell you how awesome that day was. It was one of the best meals we had when we were in the hospital. And not just because the tacos were amazing, but it was because we felt the love and compassion 
from someone else. So let's not close our heart and avoid that person. Number two, have genuine compassion for the other person. Jesus, I think about Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. He knew that he was going to heal. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that. John 11, 1 says, our friend, Jesus was talking here. He says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. He knew he was going to heal him. He knew that. But John eleven thirty two 32 says, Then when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Now, there's been various people take different approaches on this and say, here's why Jesus uh, you know, was upset, it was because of unbelief, or it was because of this, or it was because of that. Um, I'm not here to, to debate that, but what I am here to say is Jesus had an emotional response based on what he saw. Right. He was moved emotionally, physically. He didn't just look at Jesus and, or he didn't look at Lazarus' friends and family and say, huh. He was moved in his heart. This was the reason that I believe Jesus told his disciples to get out there. To, and and this, is, this is the reason that I believe Jesus told his disciples to pray for workers to go into the harvest field. There's a really famous scripture that I'm sure you've heard before. Um, a lot of times when we talk about evangelism, reaching the lost, you're going to hear the scripture, Matthew 9, 37 through 38. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Anyone heard that verse before? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We use that verse a lot of times talking about evangelism, but if you back that up one verse, this is what he says right before that. But when he, referring to Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. There's that word again, splagna. He was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he says, the harvest is truly as plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray for laborers. I move with compassion. There's so many needs here. We need more people to go out and attend to these needs. That's, that's what I believe the heart of Jesus was. Compassion. There was a... <clears throat> Scripture here that is concerning, it's talking about the, the unmerciful servant. And I'll read this very quickly for you guys, but <clears throat> it says here, Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 23, there, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Jesus was telling a parable here. He told a lot of parable stories to kind of get his point across. A king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, billion dollars, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. 
and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So he's like, dude, you owe me a billion dollars. And my guy's like, ah, sorry, I don't have it. And he's like, have patience, you know, have mercy on me. Okay, cancel that debt. You don't owe me a billion dollars anymore. Sweet. That's, that's a, I mean, that guy, I mean, that's a good deal, right? Verse 27, the, ma- the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver co- coins, owed him 10 bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell, uh, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay him back. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like what just happened. And he, you know, he's like, I owe you a billion dollars, but you know, uh, oh, it's okay, canceled. Don't owe me a billion dollars. That guy, hey, you owe me $10. <laughs> Sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? And so then the guy who <clears throat> owes $10 falls to his knees and begs for mercy, just like the other guy did. But what happens? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. What? When the other servants saw what, he had, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant in. You wicked servant, he said. <clears throat> I cancel all the debt of yours, billion dollars, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Splagna. Deep rooted inside of us. When we close off our heart, we don't allow compassion and forgiveness to exude to those around us. God looks at us the same way and says, you evil servant, I've given you so much mercy, so much grace, but you're not gonna let that go? Oh, it convicts me to my core. To my core. It convicts me. The willingness to forgive is all based on having compassion for people. The willingness to forgive is based on having compassion for people. So when mom or dad makes a mistake, I know yours, your parents are probably perfect, but every once in a while, my parents make a mistake. Every once in a while. Do I have compassion for even my parents? A lot of times we preach, <clears throat> well, we need to have love for people around us. Not my parents, though. They're just evil people, and I can do whatever I want to with them. <laughs> <laughs> Kindness to mom and dad? Nah, doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, even to parents. 
So, number one, don't close your heart and avoid the person in need. Number two, have genuine compassion on the other person. Number three, the compassion must lead to action to meet the need. You've heard that saying, talk is cheap. Like people like sometimes will, they're all talk, but they're not walking anything. Talk the talk, not walking the walk. People that know everything about everything, except when, you know, well, can you tell me something about it? I don't know. <laughs> right? All talk. First John 3.16. <clears throat> for by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. How do we know that Jesus loves us? He died for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, for each other. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and again shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can tell someone I love you. We can tell someone that we're praying for them, but are we? Are we actually praying for them? Are we actually loving them? Are we actually showing compassion? How do we know that? James sounds a little bit similar to James 2.14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. It would be kind of silly. A couple weeks ago, a lady came to church, said she wanted to talk to uh, <clears throat> one of the pastors. She had a situation and she wanted to talk to one of the pastors. I was the only pastor here. It was me and Andrea and Karen, and everyone else apparently decided not to work that day. <laughs> Kidding. They were probably saving the world. <laughs> um, there's a, so I had no idea what I was walking into. And so I, I met this lady, and she started crying, and she started talking to me, me about how her, her daughter was murdered in Los Angeles last year, and she was uh, a year later she was still overwhelmed with grief and didn't know what to do. Um, I, I felt that like deep-rooted compassion for her. I watched as she sat there with tears in her eyes talking to me about this brutal murder, and it just, it, it was hard. It was difficult to listen to. And I listened to how she was trying to cope with that through drugs and alcohol. She was trying to numb the pain. I had compassion for her, I prayed with her and I tried to encourage her that we can find help and, and hope and restoration in Jesus. We don't have to turn to alcohol to numb that pain. We can bring that pain to Jesus. And you know what she said? You know, I really need some groceries though. <laughs> and it, it like kind of shot my pride a little bit because I was like, I just said something super profound. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage you in the Lord. And you just said you want groceries. Was the whole thing about groceries? <coughs> and the Lord just checked me. And I just like was reminded that 
this is not about me. She has an actual need here that I can do something about. And so what did I do? I brought her over here to storehouse and filled up a couple bags of groceries and, and I asked her what she needed. Oh, I need some of that, I need some of that. That'd be really helpful. And so we filled up some groceries and we, we took it to her car and she, her, her uh, grandson was in the car with her, probably seven or eight years old and another family member was there too. And they were so grateful. And I felt such conviction because I'm like, was my compassion for her in the moment just words? Or could I actually do something about it too? And thankfully, God gave me the opportunity to do both. I was in a position in that, in that moment where I could pray for her, I could love on her, but I could also take her down to the storehouse and get some food. Right. I found out that she was homeless and she... This whole story unraveled. But I had compassion on her and I was able to do something. And I don't tell you that to, to bring glory to myself or to say, look how good I was. I'm saying that to say we, when we have compassion, it should spur action. We should be able to do something about it. <clears throat> so I have a question for you tonight. How can we genuinely show compassion to those around us? And I want us to, we're not going to have like small groups or anything. This is a small group. So you don't have to raise your hand. You can, you can blurt it out. But thinking about others in need, how can we show compassion? Yeah. Tell the person you're going to pray for them. And then do what? Pray for them. Actually pray for them. Yes. How many times do we say praying for you? And that's a flat lie. <laughs> Actually pray for them. Yes. You, and what's cool about that is you don't have to like know their full situation. You don't have to like offer counseling. You don't have to like try to meet all their needs. You can just say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Yeah. Yeah. Words of encouragement. Huge. What is another way that we can genuinely show compassion to those around us? Act on your compassion. Say that again. Act on your compassion. Act? How? How can we act on compassion? Well, if you know you can do something about it, you can do it. Absolutely. If you know you can do something about it, do it. Pastor Dustin and his family have been very sick this last week. And um, I acted in, in a way of compassion that I know how to do best. I made food. <laughs> so I made some pulled pork, and that pulled pork was compassionate. <laughs> Let me tell you that. I, I, I never feel more fulfilled than in those moments where I'm acting in compassion for someone, especially yes. cooking. There's something about me that I just, I love cooking for someone. If there's a need, it, is, it fills me with so much joy to do that. What is, what is a way that, how many of you have a phone? How is a way that you can use your phone to show compassion? Levi, what do you think? Oh, gosh. Um, I have no idea. You have no idea how to use your phone for compassion? Well, yeah, you can text, text someone. Text someone what? Want to play Fortnite? Yeah. Let's walk that out for a second, Levi. Do you find, do you find yourself... 
growing in friendship with people that you game with? Well, yeah. Okay. Do you guys do you guys play games together? Yes. So that's spending time together, right? Yeah. Have you found that your friendship together has grown since you've played games together? Yeah. Okay. So if there's someone in, in your on your baseball team that is going through a tough time and you say, Hey Johnny, uh, I know that I know that it's you know you're going through a tough season right now. You want to game sometime together? I'm, str- I'm trying to stretch your thinking tonight. You can use that gaming as a way of connecting and having compassion on someone by spending time with them. You see that? Yeah. So, th- think about your gaming as a way of evangelism. Challenging you tonight, Levi. Yeah, what do you think? Um, text you, ask asked uh, you to make some food and <laughs> <laughs> how can I show compassion I'm going to text you and ask you to make me food and then I'll present <laughs> it it's for me <laughs> and then drive it to and then drive it to their house perfect <laughs> I love it I love it you guys are old enough and mature enough to show compassion on people there are people in our church that need help. There are people in our church that just need a friend. Mm-hmm. I think about, how many of you know Andrea Miller? She mm-hmm. lost her husband recently. She would probably just crumble if you went up to her and gave her a hug and say, Andrea, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Sometimes when someone loses a family member, we don't know what to say and we think we're going to sound dumb and what if I sound silly trying to love on that person and I'm clumsy and so we, like the Levite and the priest, we avoid that person. Don't avoid her. Yes. Laura Carrasco, lost, she lost her husband. Would, would love to hear from someone, hey, just want to let you know I'm praying for you. You guys are old enough to show compassion. Find, find Bella's phone number or, or any of the Lunt girls. Hope right now can't, can't go to the hospital right now because she's not 18. There's a rule. She can't go there. She can't even go and see Bella right now. She could use some encouragement. So let's be sensitive to the needs already in our youth group. And then when we are sensitive to those kind of needs, you got a question or you got a... Oh, I got a thing. Yeah, talk to me. My, one of my friends, well, he's another Levi. Okay. Uh, his dad passed away right before Christmas. Okay. That is, a, that is a perfect opportunity, Levi, for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes. When, when those kind of situations arise, look, I, don't, I can't explain it. I can't give a reason for it. When, when death happens, I wish I had a good explanation. I wish I was able to adequately say, here's why it happened. The, the truth of the matter is that we don't know. Right. We can't explain that. But what you can do... You, be, you can spend time with that, that boy. You can hang out with him. And you can say, man, I'm, I'm praying for you. And if you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. That can mean the world to him. Levi and Levi, gaming it up. With our Fortnite hoodies on. <laughs> Get matching Fortnite hoodies. Well, let me just, let me just do this. Let's, let's pray real quick. Um, 
I, I truly believe that when we are sensitive to the needs of those around us and we can show compassion on others, it helps us to be in touch with our emotions and keep our emotions in check. When our emotions are totally out of whack, a lot of times we don't have a, a really uh, appropriate view of ourselves. We're like that servant that's like, you owe me $10. <laughs> and we're so angry over that little thing that our sibling did. But yet, we just did the same thing, like, last week. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. If we're honest with ourselves, we need to give grace because we've been given a lot of grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence that we feel tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have wisdom. Help us to be self-aware, to understand our emotions. But let us be more in touch with uh, the compassion and the love and the mercy that you've given us. God, so that we can show a genuine compassion to those around us. We know there, there are needs around us. We know that there are situations that we can't control, that we can't understand. But we know that, that there are people that are hurting, that are broken, that need your spirit, that need a touch from you. And I'm just asking you, God, to help us to be aware of these situations and help us to step into the situation, not around the situation. Help us to be like that good Samaritan, to take care of, of the people around us, whether that's physically or emotionally or spiritually, let us take care of the people around us. I pray a covering over every home, over every school. I pray that there would be uh, our students would be protected, and that you would help us to have mercy and grace with those uh, around us directly and those uh, around us indirectly. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.